0: Uh, tonight we are continuing our series on the Sermon on the Mount and we've been, This is, I think it's the second last week, is that right Matt? Excellent. We've had some wonderful different speakers come up to us, we've had you know, Ellen and uh, DMAC and Matt and a whole other team sort of stuff there. So if you haven't listened to any of it yet and you want to, uh the sermons are available on the website, I think Jacob will give me a heads up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if not, come and see us. We'll be able to work it out. Uh, but it has been a, a really good uh, series, and we and it's great to look at the uh, the, the big sermon that uh, Jesus gave. And you know, so, before we start tonight, let's just open up in a a word of prayer. Hey, I always want to thank you. Thank you that we can come into a place where we can safely worship you and learn about you. Lord, we ask that you open our hearts up tonight to the message or through the worship or through fellowship tonight, that we get to leave here tonight with a better understanding of you somehow. We just pray these things in your mighty name. Amen. Now, the we'll, next part we're looking at is from Matthew 7, verses 13 to 23. And I'm hoping... Hey! Yeah. Excellent. Does someone want to read that. Someone with a big voice. I'm going to look at someone. who doesn't... Does someone read it, Ben? Yeah. Excellent. Thank you very much there. Matthew
1: 7, 13 to 23. The narrow and wide gates. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers.
0: Ooh. Thank you, then. <laughs> so now is the gate. I'm going to go back a little bit here. Oh, there we go. So we're going to break it up into three sections, as it has done marvelously in our modern interpretations of the Bible, but obviously back when Jesus was doing it, he didn't break or pause, he just did one big spiel. Uh, but we are going to break it up into three sections here. And so firstly, I want a bit of a interaction from you guys to see what you think. Because um, I'm a great believer, it's not just you guys that learn from me or us or the preachers up here. We get to learn from you guys all the time. Uh, and I'm forever amazed by how God speaks through every single one of us. And so it's great to just hear your opinions on some things, and saves you writing the first half of this message anyway. Um, <laughs> That's <but> okay, <laughs> It's okay. But anyway, so your uh, uh, first little section, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is a gate. What do you think he's talking about there? What do you think Jesus is talking about? Into heaven. Into heaven? Yep. That's the, the most people's interpretation of it and when well, we we'll go through it tonight. But has anyone else got any thoughts on that? Like how it's really easy to enter into human you know, sins and stuff. Like, it's very easy and, and it's really hard to do, do good things.
1: Like it's
0: easy once you do them, but it can feel hard to actually step forward and do those good things. Yeah. So that's why the, 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 the road is wide that we travel down because it's easy to go down there. And if you ever, for those who would drive or like pushbikes or skateboards, or have the easiest path to go down is the one that's widest and biggest and so, uh, the more narrow one is, is hard to go on. Any other thoughts? It's into life. So it's not just heaven after
1: you die, but um, verse 14, and there's the road that leads to life. So it's
0: not just something that you get after you die, but it's something that you can have now. Yeah, it, it's here, talking about the here and now as well. So it's not just... Because so often we think about it as a heaven piece and we think about... When we die, but it's that journey on life as well. And I like um, I've got some images that I've got from art and interpretations of that sort of thing. So, um, so next question: Why? What do we? Now we know the answer. We know because we've grown up in church or we come to church for a little bit. We know that um, the, the narrow path leads to God, and the wide path. That Route 75 leads to, leads to that fiery inferno over there. Why why do people still choose that big path? You can easily <laughs> drift that corner. You can easily drift that corner. Is that what you said? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can do spiries, you can do fishies all over the place there, can't you? Yeah. You can like drive down that corner, whereas you know going that one, you have to
1: actually get out and go on foot and that sort of hard stuff. It looks easier. It looks easier.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's easy to do
1: whatever else is. Yeah, the navigation of the world says door through the planking gate. Go those highways.
0: legs. are also not appropriate for hiking. <laughs> <She's> an, yeah. <laughs> see, we have the knowledge of, of what's that, that aftermath is or the fact that it isn't easy to get through. But other people probably wouldn't know. They only see that narrow door. The
1: white
0: it does, doesn't oh. it? It's got palm trees. Yeah, maybe if you
1: get your eyesight yeah, oh. like, like, checks, But there's a the fire. No, <laughs> <but> just just gates. <laughs> okay. If you're looking at the path itself, the wide path is very easy to go through, whereas the Not narrow
0: the path is a to fall off. So, why don't people go down there? If, if, if we know, and other people know about this, say, why don't people go down there? Now, now, you know we answered a little bit, but again, why, why? thinking about it from a Christian point of view, why why do we get caught in the trap of not having that life with God?
1: A lot of time. It's an uphill battle. Pardon? It's an uphill battle. It's an
0: uphill battle. An uphill battle. Can't, be Can't be bothered. Can't be bothered? Doing
1: all that work. What can we do? It's not like succumbing
0: to temptation and stuff. A lot of time we don't
1: have the company. Yeah. Everyone else wants to go through the White Gate and we're called. We know we're called to go in there again and we want people to walk with.
0: Yeah, we want people to walk through this. It's a bit of a a, a hard trek. It's an uphill battle, yeah.
1: It's almost like if you give a person a car, there's a time they're going to choose to drive that car rather than get out and walk up again. So it's just like convenient. <laughs> Sometimes we think that we know the destination that God, like, but God actually knows the true destination, so we think we're going the right way in the wild path, but that's the narrow path that the right way. Yep. And you've got to keep doing it, it's not
0: just a one up decision. You've got yeah. To it, it's it's a bit deceiving because it's one path here, uh, but we have come to these junctions a lot in our lives. We it, it's not just one path and that's it. We can uh, go on one path and all of a sudden, oh, drift off to the other one. We can do many things in that, and so it's a constant decision-making process for us. Now I'm going to talk about other people for a second, and the thing about the people around us. And the people out there in our schools, our workplaces, our unis, and why don't they get along there? Now, I want to have two illustrations regarding this. I've heard many times the most humane way to kill a lobster or a crab is either put it in cold water first or freeze it for 30, 30 minutes beforehand and then put it in boiling water. Uh, our chef's is not why annoying yeah. But the most humane way. Uh, because they, they say that lobsters and things still feel pain when you put the, the knife through it. And think like, oh no, we're getting a debate here anyway. <laughs> I'll have a conversation with you afterwards. Luggie. But they say the, the most humane way is to freeze it first. Because what happens is it doesn't actually kill them when they put it in the freezer. It just numbs them and, desensit- and desensitises them. So they actually get to feel things. And so... It virtually becomes asleep. And so when they put it in the boiling water, and the, it doesn't feel the water rising. See, sometimes that can be the same with us in our lives as well, or the people around us. The people don't realise that the water's getting hotter. They can get one little thing, they can say, oh mate, I can do this, oh, I can do that, and it leads down that path. And they don't even realise they're on the path until a long way down. So you might be thinking, oh it's okay just do a little bit of this or hang out with my friends a little bit and all of a sudden you get deeper and deeper and then the water is get too hot for you the other example I wanted to use is who's been down to the beach Never. <laughs> Never. <laughs> been down to the beach, or who's been in the water and you look back and you, the flags know where it's supposed to be oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the current has drifted you off a long way and you hadn't even realised you got that far it's like they're in our own lives as well the fact that sometimes we go on one path, we do one thing, and we're so far away from where we originally were that it's not funny. And so these two examples can think to me regarding some. it's easy to go down the wrong path. And I like this other example from the, the 1600s. And like what people were saying before, sometimes we're going to easily get caught up in the crowd. And we easily get, park, uh, get parked down there and we don't even realise we're going there. And it's an easier path to go down. And so that's what happens to us. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Not just, as Matt said, not just in the afterlife in the heaven, but in our normal lives as well. Our daily lives. It's easier sometimes to go with the flow. See, the people don't see the destruction. The people around us don't feel don't know what's going happening. They just see that the path is easier and wide and easier to get through. And that comes in our, our responsibility sometimes to say, hey, you know, something, what you're doing is not right or, or maybe help to help other people follow through that narrow path. That's what we have the community around us to do as well, to help us out with that. So, Jesus sets this picture. He says, What's following me down the narrow path? He doesn't say it's going to be easy. He doesn't say it's going to be good to do it in the early one. It's going to be hard. But he just says, This path is going to be a life with me, an internal life. But the next he states, There are going to be false prophets out there that try to lead you down the wrong path. I'm going to jump back to it so we can. Have a look at it. I should have organised my slides a bit better. But that's okay. Um, he says it's false prophets down there, and there's going to be people trying to guide you, steer you off the wrong path. And he uses two examples for there now. Like when a preacher comes up here, when a speaker comes up here, like Matt or D and shares a story about what's going on in their life. I, remember, I still remember D-Max 1 about him getting into the dating scene and, and that still holds true with me um, because I can remember those sort of days. Uh, Jesus was using those sort of... <laughs> <laughs> that was a long time ago, it's okay. <laughs> but but just, like, just like we use stories to illustrate our things, this is what Jesus was doing back then as well. He was using the things in his life and things around him To tell stories to illustrate the point a little bit better. Here he uses two stories, or two illustrations. The first one I'll talk about a little bit deeper into the sheep's clothing and the ferocious wolves, but the the second one in terms of fruit coming from other trees. And the people would have heard that and think that's absurd. There's no way a fig tree can grow apples. There's no way a berry tree can grow figs. There's no way. They would have been around. It would have been when he was preaching. There would probably be fruit trees around as well, so he could have said, "This is what this is what this example is here," and they would have said, "Yeah, that's right. No good no good things can come from a bad tree." So they would have realized that. And so the other point he talks about is the sheep in or the wolf in sheep's clothing. See. This was another illustration that's close to them. I, I spoke last week in the morning service about shepherding and, and the sh- profession of shepherding and being a shepherd, and how we've sort of lost it here in uh, Australian life. But back then, and, and still in some Middle Eastern countries, a shepherd is still about a valid profession. And what they would do is not just going from uh, nine to five, where they Put their sheep outside for a bit of grass and then come back home and then go back to their own home afterwards, they would have been staying with them all the time. They would have been leaving them in green pastures and sleeping with them and and protecting them day in, day and night. And so that's again another imagery that Jesus brings up here. And so also Paul in the book of Acts talks about this as well. He says, in Acts 20, 29, verse 31, he says, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock, even from your own number, even though your own number of men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. See, we'd all agree that the shepherd's job is to protect the flock and guarding his sheep and it's pretty easy for us to talk about Hey, the first job is when they see a wolf coming is to scare it away is to grab their hook and rod and, and shake it away and whatever it does but Jesus says look out for those as well but look out for the ones who come underneath you and put those sheep's fleece on and try to disguise themselves as good doers I'm reminded by a book that I used to read to Tom when he was younger. What really happened to Little Red Riding Hood? The wolf story. (laughs) Um, In this book, it was from the wolf's point of view. He says, this strange girl entered my woods and he was very suspicious of her. Who walks around with a red hood on? It's not even raining, says the wolf. The wolf goes on to say, he only ran to the grandmother's house to warn her. And then they agreed together to teach the life lesson to this little girl. And it was the grandmother's idea to hide in the closet and for the wolf to get dressed up as her. <laughs> See, Tom and I would, would laugh and I would tell him, no, it's not really happened. And he goes, oh, who's going to be the wolf tonight? Um, and so we used to talk about and laugh about this sort of thing. But this is what false prophets do. They dress up in those wolf clothing, in those sheep's clothing. And they try to disguise themselves. And try to say, this is the right path. This is the right way to go down. See, in Bible times, many prophets would come along and deceive people. They would say, the kingdom of God is not going to fall. Jesus is not the prophet. Someone else is going to come along. And the kingdom fell. They used to carry a positive message as well and say, oh, don't worry about your sins. The the more you work, the more you give to the church, the, the better off you'll be. And those messages are still heard today. And sometimes it's hard to fall down that trap. To think of the, the whole karma thing of, if I do good things, if I give more things, God's going to look at me more favourably. But God loves us all the same. See, it's not only where, in church circles where false prophets live as well. There are so many things out there that offer fulfilment. fulfillment and offer that, that think people are on the better path of life. We don't have to look too far around us in the news and, and around us for drugs. People think that when you take drugs, it's going to be an easy life. It's going to be a good life for you. But then the, the intense highs become the intense lows as well. And for people as well, the, the people with sex as well, they get caught up in that sort of thing. But with sex comes rejection and fear along with that sort of stuff as well. And so there are a lot of other false prophets not just only in the church. And so we've got to be on the lookout for that. He says, watch out for it. Because they can sneak underneath us when we're not even looking. Like a wolf at night in sheep's clothing, they can come and sneak underneath us. So God, so Jesus says, be on the lookout for false prophets. So I want to spend a few minutes afterwards just talking about how we, how we protect ourselves about that and how we determine what's a false prophet and what's not. But firstly, I want to just jump into the next section. In terms of, he goes on to talk about what's a true and false disciple. He says, not everyone who says, Lord, will, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Now I'm sure you might have met some people around you that would have said, hey, hey, I'm a Christian, but all their actions... Don't measure up. See, I can imagine the the wolf being one of these people and someone having a conversation, a little girl coming into a conversation and saying, yeah, I'm a Christian, I do all this sort of stuff there. But the little girl could say, well, but you don't go to church or you don't read your Bible or you just bullied another kid or you just spent a lot of time doing something else. So the actions don't measure up to what they're supposed to be living like. And I'm sure that we have all those people around us that we know. And just an important aside on that, as Tim Richards spoke a couple of weeks ago about the whole judgment and the, and the, the passage about that, it's, again, it's when we are thinking about judgment, it's not that we don't judge, it's about how we look at our own lives beforehand and how we look at our own places. Okay, if I don't like that in someone else, let me have a look at my own life to see if I'm doing the same thing first before I go, talked about that. And then if I am to judge, if I am to talk to them about it, let's not do it out of maliciousness or any any intent. Let's just do it out of love to say, I'm going to help this person along. Because so often when we judge, it's a judgment to say, no, you're doing the wrong thing. And you put them down. But if you do it from God's point of view to say, when we judge, let's, let's help each other on. Let's encourage each other to to do the right thing. There's a story to go on with this, and I'm not too sure if you know the University of Notre Dame. Just five days after accepting the position of a head coach of this football team in this university in America in 2001, George O'Leary resigned in disgrace. An investigation had revealed that more than 20 years before, he included all these things on his resume. Including saying that he had lettered from football when he had not even been on the team, that he had a master's degree that he didn't even earn. The lies had not been discovered at any any other of his coaching jobs, but because of the high nature of his position of coach of this football team, they caught him out. And so P was saying all these things to say, Yeah, I've coached this other team, I've, I've got my master's degree in coaching, I've got everything else. And up until this point, other football clubs and other universities, Thought, yeah, we don't have to do a background check. He knows what he's talking about. But this Notre Dame, because it had such prestige, they actually did their research and found out he was lying. This is the kind of things that we have to do when false prophets come our way. People will try and make up and tell things, not only about false prophets, but false discipleship as well. But Jesus says, Not everyone will enter the kingdom. So how do we know what is a false prophet or what not, or what is a false disciple and what is not? Has anyone seen or look at this this thing on Netflix at the moment? Seen the trailer. Seen the trailer. The trailer. Oh, I've watched it, and it was um, it is basically just entertainment. It's not supposed to be taken as yes or the uh, Messiah is coming or not. Um, but it, it's an interesting viewpoint of it, and it is interesting. And the um, the the author or the writer of it said, Messiah challenged us to examine what we believe and why we believe it. So the author wasn't trying to create controversy with this. He was just saying, okay, for all those people coming from whatever you believe in, go back to yourself and believe for yourself. Do your own research, not just what everyone else says. See Deuteronomy says one of the first things that we should do but a prophet who presumes to speak in my name I have not commanded or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods is to be put to death. The first thing that we can do is look at the Bible. If someone says to you, oh, you should do this or you should do that line it up against what you're understanding of what the Bible says. Read the Bible, look at it. Have a thing to what the, you've got a great moral compass within you. Have a think of what that says to you. If it stirs something something, you need to think, okay, let's look at the Bible and see what the Bible says. Everything that we should do should go back to Jesus' teaching some way or the other. Another thing to do is ask some of your Christian friends. Ask some of your friends around you. Ask some of the leaders of the church or leaders of other churches and see what they say. As I said at the start, God constantly reveals himself to us. And we've got some wise people around us as well. So not only look in the Bible, but ask your friends as well. Third thing is pray about it as well. So if you did something that you don't think is right, it was a false prophet or a false disciple, or even something within yourself that you think, oh, should I be doing this or what I shouldn't be doing? Pray about it. Ask God about it. The last thing that this passage challenges me to do, and especially in terms of that false disciple, is to look at my own life. What example of a disciple of God am I leading? When people look at Chris in my workplace, at my school that I work at, or the church that I work at, or any other place, when people look at me and think, oh well, he calls himself a Christian, but is he a Christian? What does he do? So it challenges me to look at my own life and think, okay, I need to do this. I've got people around me and mentors around me that I ask these questions of as well. And so think about that for yourself. And wrapping up, when I I think about this for myself, and, and as we like to do here, the things I get out of this passage are, the first question is to ask yourself, what path am I going down? And if you think you're going down the wrong path, the wide path with everyone else, and not the narrow path, have a conversation with someone about that. Talk to someone about it. Talk to your friends. Talk to one of the leaders here and think, okay, maybe I have been going down. Maybe I haven't talked to Jesus about this. Maybe I haven't even accepted God into my life yet. The second thing is to look out for those false prophets. They're around us all the time. And then we easily get swept under by that current in the beach that takes us away from God. And the third thing, as I said, what example of a disciple are you at the moment? Let us just close in prayer. Hey God, we just want to thank you. Thank you for your example. Thank you for your word that teaches us every single day. Lord, we know that narrow path is not an easy path. For we know what's at the end of it. It's eternal life. And it's a life with you. Be with us when we get tempted to go down that path of destruction that everyone else seems to be going on. And Lord, let us be on the lookout for those false disciples and prophets around us. But we want to come in in sheep's clothing, but they are wolves snarling. Lord, and finally, just challenge us to think of what kind of disciple that we are, what example of Christ we are to other people around us. Lord, we ask that you challenge us every day. Do we ask that you continue to be with us and guide with us on that narrow path? And we just pray these things in your mighty and wonderful name. Amen.